stuff happening today uh the long hyped if you've been listening to the past couple of episodes which of course you have why wouldn't you be listening to the past couple of episodes if you're new welcome we don't mean to detour you right away no no <laughs> everyone is welcome here at state of the save of course i'm eric it across was, from me is except, michael except vampires we don't want them no we don't want vampires but uh across from me is michael michael how you doing i'm doing good we uh we just had a hell of experience playing through today's game we uh, usually divide these things up ahead of time, play them, come together, talk about them. But uh, today we decided we're just going to play through the game right before we uh, talk about it. Which honestly was the best way to go about this. I had a very fun time playing through this yes. video game. I think this game is improved by playing together as a group than playing by yourself. But surprisingly, we're today of course talking about Night Trap. I don't know why we're burying the lead. It's in the title of the show. But um, talking about Night Trap today, it's going to be a hell of an episode. Um, the legendary, infamous video game. Yes. Do you feel corrupted, Michael? A little bit. I feel like I need to go on comment boards and talk about this and demand senator action into the realm of violent video games. Do you feel like we need to protect the children? I do. Okay, we need to protect the children from this horrible, I think, filth is what you I mean, not three years ago, we had... Uh, the leader of the free world saying that video games need a rating system. Even though video games <laughs> had, had a rating, rating system. system. <laughs> well, Michael, <laughs> we're not going to touch that particular situation. Um, <laughs> but, boy, man, it's been, a, it's been a hell of a show already. Already. Two minutes in. Welcome yes. to the Madhouse. Um, let's uh, talk about some stuff. Check the cameras for traps. Yeah, we're going to check trick the <laughs> cameras. We haven't even talked about the game yet. We can't make a reference to a game we ain't talked about. <laughs> well, theoretically, the idea of a game club is for the audience to have some background knowledge before they click play. Michael, do you think Night Trap is a game that people are playing a lot of in 2021? I will say this. If you haven't uh, done, like, we, I don't blame you if you haven't gone and played Night Trap, but at least before you continue on, go and watch someone play this game, because... All the stuff we will talk about will fall flat if you haven't experienced the... Experience is the right word, I would say. If you yes. haven't what this game has to offer you. I don't know if we necessarily played this game as much as experienced this game. You Yes. So, before we get into that, let's do our normal talk about what's been going on. What's been going on in the world of video games with you, Michael? I haven't actually played a whole lot this week. I've been continually working my way through code veronica i'm on chris redfield's story uh wesker's showing up occasionally doing his thing with his uh, red glowy eyes i don't know what that's about but i'm very invested into what albert wesker's doing eric's favorite character in resident <laughs> evil wesker best hair of the series for sure best hair worst character but uh but we'll talk about that when you actually you know finish Steve it. Steve Burnside, yeah. freaking creep. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about that when you're done with it. Anything else you've been playing? Uh not 
so much. I do have one game on the docket for the future. So me and my wife went out, celebrated our anniversary last night. Uh, she got me uh, The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD for the Switch. I'm really excited to check it out. Kind of the uh, the forgotten Zelda of the series I would say so, right now. Because it's weird, because it's the last like traditional Zelda before we go to something completely different with Breath of the Wild. Yeah. So... Everyone was making the argument, was like, including me, that was like, why didn't you, and Nick on this show too, yes. was like, why didn't you do Wind Waker or Twilight Princess that you already have done? Why did you take the time and energy to make this full HD remake? But apparently the people who have played it say it streamlines the game in such a way where it cuts about, if you look at the Howling the Beats, it cuts about four to five hours out of it just because you don't have characters constantly telling you tips on how to do the thing that you know you already have to do it is insane the concept that they are by doing more tutorials it adds time to the game mm -hmm. compared to the opposite you think it'd be the opposite where it'd be like oh you keep giving away the secrets ending <laughs> i guess i'll just keep skipping to the end of this you know puzzle i'm trying to figure out but it is it's weird that that's a feature Instead of a, a negative, and right? Now, yeah, and now they made that like the completely optional thing. Now you can ask specifically for a hint if you're stuck. So that system's still there, but it's optional. You don't have to touch it. That's the way I think any hint system should be. I should have to hit a button to tell you, okay, I give in. What what do I need to do? Every game needs at least like one part where you can just be like, help me, please. Yeah. Well, one thing, like if we played Grim Fandango and that had a hint system... Maybe it would be higher up on our end-of-the-year rankings. I but, uh, Michael, uh, you don't want to bring up rankings. Uh, let's not bring up You want to bring up rankings? Because I'll fight up. you over Alan Wake's location on the list right we, now. We already did that. There's That's set in stone. That yeah, can't change. But it's only one of you now. Before, <laughs> I was out number two to one. Michael, I can take you. The both of you, no. You're both of y'all can gang up on me. I think I can get you on this. <laughs> no, nah, but that's good, man. Like I, I am looking forward to you talking about that one. Because like, uh, Resident Zelda enthusiast uh nick also host on this show uh he was eyeing he was, it yeah he was I, eyeing it but he's also never played it either okay and of the ones that he's of the zelda games i think that's one of the few he hasn't played because he played almost the entire series that seems to be the case because that came out in like 2011 so that was like end of like the uh the wii was kind of like dying down at that point for the more quote-unquote <sighs> hardcore nintendo audience the wii definitely has a cliff right like it's mm -hmm. it goes strong and then the wii kind of just falls off pretty hard towards and, the end and then at that point people have moved on to like the who had had their fun with it like me have gone on to like xboxes or ps3s yeah people like i feel like it had if took a hard fall the wii u was just like attempt but it didn't really go the way they thought it would and then the switch comes in and ah we charge forward again mario at the front of the charge like the light brigade zelda <laughs> metroid everyone behind it uh, i love how they're treating metroid now i'm so oh, excited like, they, 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 they recognized the 35th anniversary of metroid and that made me really happy inside it's like look y'all remember this game exists yay now why don't we play fusion please Make please? a way that we can play Fusion. That would be nice. That would please. I watched the games. Um, the games done quick on Fusion last night. Oh, I bet that was really cool. I do. I watched that one. I was just. I was tired. You know, Friday night, exhausted, and I watched that one. And I watched uh, the games done quick on the entire Fallout series, all the way up through four. 
Oh, wow. And the insane thing is it takes the same amount of time for this gentleman to complete Fallout 1, 2, 3, and New Vegas that it takes for him to complete 4. Like, hmm. speedrun, he can, you can complete 1 in, like, I think he did it in 10 minutes. That sounds about right. Yeah, and 2 was pretty close. But uh, it was fascinating. If you guys go back on the Games Done Quick YouTube channel, there's just all sorts of good stuff. And that one in particular I'll support because that gentleman was very, very good at explaining the tricks he would do. He was doing. So you had a walking commentary of all the stuff he was doing. That, that's really handy. Yeah, it was it was very good. The Resident was, Evil runner was talking about how a moderator that was also a speedrunner and was talking like the tricks and everything yeah. that they were doing. Like, this is called the lantern skip. And I was like, oh, thank you. Yeah, it's very it's very cool when you have someone there to walk you through it. One last thing I want to touch on. While we were out last night uh, between our dinner and uh, going to the movie, The Jungle Cruise with The Rock, in which he suplexes a leopard, Good, you know, that's animal abuse, right? Is there a thing at the end of the was, movie was, like no leopards were hurt by the rock in this <laughs> film? Not to spoil anything, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it was consensual. It was a consensual suplex. You sure that's a suplex then? <laughs> oh. I've never heard of a consensual suplex. Mo- moving on. <laughs> uh, okay. Moving, moving on. on from this topic of conversation. <laughs> explain uh, something to Michael about suplexes. We. <laughs> <laughs> This, we went. This, we went. What y'all deserve for a night trying episode? <laughs> we we went to a five below. We'll walk around to kill time for the movie, and they sometimes have some weird video game stuff there. They had uh, like Division Two, FIFA Twenty, and uh, Titanfall, all games that were on Game Pass. So I was like, I don't really need to pay five bucks for any of these. But the weird thing was, they had about fifty sealed copies of Dark Siders Two on the PlayStation Three. Which is the most random of games to be sealed at a five below. For 50 like copies, like, that's crazy. And I Somebody, thought with the current video game market, I was like, oh, I can totally flip these. So I pulled it out. I pulled out my, like, app and everything. And it was like, you can buy these for $6, but you, $5, but you can get them for $6 on eBay. But I'm like, between, like, shipping and, like, that whole process, unless I sell them, like, bulk. Unless you sell them as a, like, hey... Does anybody want an entire case of Darksiders? All 10? copies, like both found fifty copies, sealed copies of Darksiders two. I just a box fell off a truck and got lost. It ended up at a five yeah. below. <laughs> well, no, we got lost sitting in a warehouse somewhere. They found it and they're like, "Oh shit, <laughs> what are we gonna do with these?" And five below is like, "We'll give you ten dollars for them." They're like sold, and it ended up in a five below. Almost got one, but then I realized I had a uh, digital copy on Xbox for a while. So I'm like, I don't really need it. Yeah. I'll save this here for someone who will appreciate this like I do. You know what? Also, do you really want to be playing Darksiders 2 in the year 2021? Maybe. I don't know. I would like to go back to Darksiders 1, a game I never finished. Because that's like, speaking of Zelda, that's like a Zelda light type thing. I mean, that series doesn't know where it's going you know like it changes got, up every time because two's like a diablo with a zelda thing three becomes like a souls like genesis is a top down is a like, top down shoot off i thought it was a mobo when i looked at it for a bit yeah because there's like it's a top down twin stick shooter that's a co-op focused i believe okay and uh i believe each one you play as a different horseman so i feel bad for the horseman that got the crappy top down shooter version instead of the <laughs> zelda one um Speaking 
of top-down twin-stick shooter games. Mm-hmm. I've been playing The Ascent. I touched on that with Nick, uh, host of the show. Yeah. And uh, my Xbox was was about to explode playing that thing. Uh, floors went disappearing. I couldn't fire my gun in the tutorial. So that I, was fun. Uh, I highly suggest going to at State of the Save at TikTok and checking out the clip Michael posted. It's raining men. It's raining men. Hallelujah. Um, the Series X runs that game smooth as hell. Like, I have no problems at all. That's the least surprising thing you could have um, said. Runs that thing like a dream. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, I, it's got a lot of... Um, I'm not usually a huge fan of that style of RPG. With the, the, uh, Diablos. the Diablo go, style. Go out, dungeon crawl, come back, and uh, yeah, uh, use your money to like get new armor and go out. So it's not. It's yeah. to me, it gets repetitive pretty quick. Um, but I will say, I do like the ward this game takes place in. Uh, I do like the fact that, like, the story is one of those that I've actually not seen before. It's the whole, like, corporations run the future kind of thing. But it's like, okay, what happens to all the employees that are, like, indentured to this corporation when a corporation goes bankrupt? <laughs> and it's like, oh, corporate went bankrupt. Now here's all Steal these Steal the computers! <laughs> well, it's like, it's like, oh, shit. What are we going to do? It's like middle management being stuck, being like, we can't get a hold of anybody at corporate. It's like if you've ever had like a day where you've walked on a Saturday and had something come up that you have to get a hold of like the upper management for. I, I work in management. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're working on a Saturday or like a, a start shift and like, oh shit, something serious has happened. We got to call management and you can't call anybody because everyone's like either asleep or it's the weekend. It's like that on a scale of a global crisis. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like that feeling of like, shit, I can't get a hold of the the CEO. <laughs> you know? Um, it's it's a interesting game. It's very pretty on the X. It runs very well. Uh, lighting in particular is very pretty. Um, it's fine. It's a Game Pass game, so it's worth trying out. Uh, like I said, it's not something I'm usually a fan of that particular style of RPG, but it's good for what it is. I'll give it some more time. I did like jumping into Nate's game because he was so much higher level than me, so I could skip past like a lot of the tutorial stuff and just go running and gunning. Because the the story and the setup is interesting, but like individual stuff, I'm just like, let me skip it and just go dungeon crawling and shooting. I feel like those games are more fun the more advanced you are. Exactly. When you're in like level ten or eleven, you start getting cooler, more like impactful weapons. Give me a button that says "Skip me ten levels." Yes. Which Destiny has that, but I never use that because part of Destiny, the fun of Destiny, the fun, quote unquote, of Destiny is the grinding and getting the earning like the cool armors and everything. Because unlike, because you have to like mostly buy the armors and like what I've seen in the Ascent when Destiny, you just shoot a guy and then it's like, he dropped a helmet. That's better. They do do drops in the Ascent. Okay. You'll start getting equipment. Okay. Um, it's not as like it's not as Diablo like that like every enemy you kill you get something. Um, it's a little bit less than that, but uh, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I haven't played a ton recently. I admit. Uh, speaking of wrestlers and movies, I watched Suicide Squad, and there's a scene in which John Cena is in his whitey tighties, and it makes you feel bad about yourself, Michael. So while you I don't were, need that. while you were watching The Rock suplex and soup uh, leopards or whatever The Rock was doing. <laughs> 
Uh, I was feeling bad about my leg days with uh, John Cena and Whitey Sidies. Um, if, if he makes Idris Elba look like a he, smaller dude. He makes Idris Elba look like a little man. And Idris Elba, I'm pretty sure, is taller than I am. I'm 6'2". And I think Idris Elba is like 6'3", 6'4". And that means and he makes him look like a very small man. So you forget when you watch wrestling that like you're like, oh, John Cena ain't that big in comparison, but all these motherfuckers are big. I met Elias once, and that dude was humongous. He's a big motherfucker. And he's not even like considered a top guy. Very nice man. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got his signature over there. You got me his signature. I appreciate that. Um, fun fact, it was supposed to be Baron Corbin. <laughs> and I, I ain't gonna lie, I think Baron Corbin would be cool to meet, too. Um, <laughs> but enough of that shit. Let's talk about, like, what we're actually here for. Let's talk about some video games. Uh, let's talk about... Uh, oh, you, real quick, I did get screwed over by Microsoft. They ran their sales, and they had the entire uh, Square Enix Tomb Raider series on sale. Okay. So I bought the second game because I haven't played the second game. And then I thought I bought what was the third game, but instead what I bought was a bunch of the DLC. You bought the season pass. Yeah. And so then I was like, I'll just buy the standard edition and it'll, you know, link up and I'll have everything. Except they don't sell the standard edition anymore. <laughs> so I had to buy the whole thing all over again. So you very, had very the upset. DLC twice? I had the DLC twice. It's very upsetting. You could have uh, just got like a physical copy sent to you. I could have. But I was. It was the 10 o'clock at night, and I was irritable. And I was like, well, fuck this. I ain't owning a bunch of DLC to a game I don't have. Um, that thing probably is like five bucks on Amazon, too. I probably fucked up. Uh, it was like Games with Gold a while back. They just did a 4K patch for that for the PlayStation 5 where you can play 4K and 60. Ooh. Because because before you had to make the choice if you wanted yeah. the 4K or the 60. Now you don't have to choose. Hey. I played the first two games, so I really want to check out the third one at some point. But it's... Buried in my backlog so deep that unless we're playing it for the show, it'll be a while before I go to it. Yeah, I played the first one. I didn't play the second or the third, but I plan on knocking them out. Rise was good. Don't ask me about the story. I cannot remember anything of it, but I had fun with it. I want to go explore tombs that, in that Tomb Raider game. There I are really, more tombs in Tomb Raider 2. I don't really care about like, Tomb Raider lore. I just want, like, if you're like, hey, in this game, Laura's going into this tomb to find shit. I'm like, okay, cool. Um... But that's all the fans of butts about it. We don't, we don't, let's, we're not here to talk about Tomb Raider. We're here to talk about high quality video game <laughs> or video experience. Are we ironic or do we actually legitimately love this game? That's you for want, you to you decide. Want, you want another surprise? I fucking love this game. <laughs> this game is great. Uh, Night Trap. Night Trap was released in what? 1992. 92. So this is a created 19- in 87. We'll but, get to that. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to talk about our experience playing the game, then we're going to talk about the controversy, and then we're going to talk about like the repercussions of this game. There's a lot of history, video game history, leading up to Night Trap that I think is absolutely worth discussing because the creation of this game is wild. Yes. In the reception insanity. of this game it's is wild. insanity. The, the game itself is insane. It's all a beautiful mess, minus the, like... Yes. Uh, hearings and everything but even that if you take it all together you look at it and go this dumpster fire of like a series of events you can look at it now like years removed from it and just go wow it's amazing so before we get into like more panic caused by this game and all those things let's talk about our experience playing this game the game itself so it is a full motion video game uh, we are playing as a 
if you think about it, we're playing as the IT guy for this special <laughs> forces team, which kind of sucks. But, but, and just like real life IT, if something goes wrong, you're the first one they blame. Everybody despite blames despite the you. fact that you are the most competent person on the team. Everyone else sucks except you. But they, if one thing goes wrong, they're like, "Your job was to do just the cameras, you idiot." It's like it's literally the equivalent of being IT, where it's like, "Why can't you just fix the computer, dumbass?" <laughs> Is that? Um, long story short, like I said, we're playing as this. Uh, Special Forces team called SCAT, non-ironically, apparently. Special Control Attack Team? I think that was right. I don't know. We When we were flipping cameras, I got the bat cast, so I had to make do with like thinking of what the first half could be. Attack Team. Attack Team, whatever. It's like a G.I. Joe fucking phrase. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> doesn't just... It's like it's, uh, yeah, Cobra means like... Stars. Yeah, it's stars. It's, 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 well, the guys all look like the stars unit from the first Resident Evil. Yeah, they look like the generic, like, if you had a commando team on MacGyver, that's what they look like. Oh, gray camo. Yeah. Face paint, even though they're, like, it's a house. I don't think anybody in the military has actually ever worn gray camo. Like, in the real military. I don't know. Uh, have you seen them? Because that's maybe the camo is working if we haven't noticed. I'd say maybe scat so secret for so special forces they don't they can't be seen because of it. He might be sitting over there in the corner right now. I might be looking at a scat guy right now. (laughs) Um, but we're on this mission. There is this home in the uh, what looks to be the upper northwest woods where people have been going missing, and scat has sent in an undercover agent named Kelly. And we're going to find out why people have gone missing. We have also hijacked the security cameras. And And all of, like, the security devices in the house, all the traps. There was a bunch of traps and stuff like that. We've hijacked it all. So now we're going to apparently use a bunch of teenagers for bait, and we're going to figure out What's happening in this house? The bit where they like explain this to you looks like a if you go to Universal Studios or Disney, where they have like real actors like setting the groundwork, and then they turn to you and be like, "You need to do this. This is your mission." And when actually, when actually, you're being like, "I'm just gonna ride this roller coaster." My favorite thing is that at one point, like one of the commando guys like looks at him, he's like, "Those are the guys that are gonna be on this mission." And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, fuck you, man. I'm in sweatpants over here. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but Being I think attacked. it reminds me of, like, that dinosaur ride at Disney World. Yeah. Where it's like. Or Rock and Roller Coaster where it's like, let's get these people some backstage passes. Yeah, and they're, like, talking to the camera. Um, the, here's the big surprise. We're dealing with vampires. We're dealing with a particular kind of vampire. There's two kinds of vampires in this game. There's the family. All right. They're real vampires. They're like the they're, head vampires. They're real fiction. vampires. They look like normal people. They got fangs and glowy eyes. They can shoot lightning out of their hands like vampires do. Naturally. That's my favorite part of Dracula. Yeah, you, you don't know that. Dracula <laughs> does it all the time. But then there's what's called Argors. Am I saying that right? The Argors, the yeah. The Argors. And now, we will learn Argors are vampires that have just enough blood to keep them alive, but not enough blood to turn into real vampires. So they're like zombie people. They're also zombie are, ninjas. Yeah, zombie vampires. ninjas. They're also capable of using complex machinery, <laughs> you know. So they're not they're dumb but not that dumb. They can't like bite people. They have to use this weird 
like grab claw machine. You know that to thing your grandmother has that she can't reach stuff off the top shelf? They got a really, really big one of those. And that's how they, they, they get people. Um, the game starts off. I'm going to go through the story here. And then we're going to explain how you play this. All right? Remember, everything is being viewed through security cameras. So you're getting little pieces of the story as you go. It's not... You're, you're just grabbing, like, snippets of story. And it's like whenever you advance is when you kind of like piece it together in your head one thing also keep in mind this game takes place over about 25 minutes with the gameplay but you're going to be replaying sections a lot so you're going to pick up the story through through the replaying because the one of the big things is i would say the first half of the game is gate gatekeeped by the fact that you have to capture a certain number of argors which we found out was about 30 or about so 30 yeah to progress and then from that point on you must protect certain characters from getting captured and you know yada yada f- to progress the game further so like those hard moments that you have to do something about now we'll also say there's a shit ton of like optional things you can do here um you know you can like rescue this character here or accidentally trap your own person here mm-hmm. so there's a lot of fun little stuff um the basic premise is the mother and father of the vampire family is heading out of town. They're heading out to go do some business, some vampire business. And as, like, when families go out of town, a party happens. Yes, because a bunch of these teenage girls with uh, with our secret undercover agent Kelly in- infiltrated. And one of their little brothers, too. Like, this, we have a group of, like, eight, like, actor, actress-wise, probably around, like, their early 20s. Storyline wise, probably like sixteen to eighteen. Yeah, they're supposed to be Someone under just the brings age. Brings like their twelve-year-old brother. Yeah. To a sleepover with a bunch of sixteen, eighteen-year-old girls, and I don't know about you, but if you're a twelve-year-old boy surrounded by, I, uh, what? It's what? either a really, really good time or a really lame time. It's one of the two, depending on which side of twelve you are on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just throwing that one out there. Um, but it is weird that like here's this big sleepover for all these 16 to 18 year old girls in reality 20 to 23 year old girls but they're like my mom maybe bring my my 12 year old brother with me who's a very critical element to the plot he's also a fucking action hero (laughs) pretty much he's of all of them i would say he's more of a threat than kelly is (laughs) kelly's a trained secret agent and his little bit one vampire what uh charlie one vampire teleports and gives kelly a bad time Charlie's wasting motherfuckers. <laughs> but uh, as the girls show up, they meet the daughter of the vampire family, who's like, oh, hey, come on in. I'm here too. Nothing suspicious. <laughs> nah, just come on in my creepy house in the woods. Oh, allow me to walk on by Crazy Eddie. Who's Crazy Eddie? He's a guy who's just hanging outside of our house in the middle of the night. That's just Crazy Eddie. <laughs> you know, just Crazy Eddie. Um... <laughs> Some we, great Eddie might be the best part of this game. Eddie's pretty great. Eddie, <laughs> um, this is when when they center around Eddie is when I found myself really enjoying this game. Like one of the traps is a straight up catapult that will launch a guy off the roof in a hilarious like Scooby Doo style like it's landing like, their arms in the air as they're falling. It's what they do in uh, uh, Power Rangers when they throw somebody yes. in Power Rangers. Yeah, so he gets knocked in the pit, and then A would just look at the camera and give like a thumbs up with a smile, like. 
Hey! We did it. The amount of fun these actors and actresses are having on this set, it just comes through the performances. Everyone knows this is not high art, and everyone's having a blast. It. This is, like, in the realm of, like, a Rocky Horror. Like, of course, like, if you look at the quality of everything alone, you could pinpoint it as bad, but I ask it... I will ask of you, dear listener, do you like camp? Do you like... If you are the type of person who will... Who frequents Rocky Horror Picture Show every chance they get, then this is the game for you. This is, like... And also, I think of this time, there is a... A shit ton of like movies and stuff that are like campy as hell. Like I think about things like Starship Troopers, yeah. which I love. Starship Troopers. This campy as fucking hell. I want to be a pilot. You are... let's play football slash soccer slash disc golf. You're... Like I mean, it's yeah. just you're not meant to take this thing seriously no. at all. And the quicker you realize that this is going to be the way it is, you're gonna have. Fun. We were already quoting this game. Like, ten minutes into I, it. I was looking for t-shirts online, and huh? I'm very disappointed in the Night, sla- night, uh, night, uh, night Trap uh, t-shirt collections out there. It's just the logo. Hi, Eddie. Bye, Eddie. Nice of you to drop by, Eddie. Let us know when you want to die, Eddie. Yeah, that's a <laughs> every freaking time line. That, every time that came up, even though we were missing augers, we went to that scene just so we could just laugh at that crazy dialogue. Kelly in the bathroom yelling at the top of the lungs. Use the, the trap! trap! <laughs> it, dude, it's it's a fucking great game. Uh, yes. So, long story short, the first part of this game, as the girls are coming in, they're settling into the house. They do a music video. They do a music video. To with, the song Night Trap. Yes, and at one point we cut away and then cut back right when she just goes, Night Trap, she and then the it camera. cuts away. She's play- All of a sudden she's playing a tennis racket who points at the screen and goes, Night Trap! And it's, I'm like, this, this is I, fucking great. I was like, I love this game. It's yes. Fucking great. Yes, beautiful. Best $5 I've ever spent for this show. <laughs> um, I will say, this part is entirely about just getting accustomed to like moving around the cameras. One thing that did throw us off a lot was the first 10 minutes of this thing, it explains to you, not a single time does it explain to you, the concept of frequencies so they are changing – I'm using the word frequency. You can think of it also as like the fucking Wi-Fi password. <laughs> yes, but exactly. They're like, okay, we need to change the security code to green. So if you're not at that particular scene when they say that, you're not going to know what the code is. They don't even tell you what it is at the beginning. So when we first started playing, traps were not working for us at all, and we couldn't figure out why. Is like, are we pressing it wrong? Are we not Yeah. figuring this out? What is the red – what does the yellow and the red line mean? You kind of got to learn by attrition. Yes. And the minute you realize, wait a minute, um, we are we have to change the codes and we got to listen to when the codes change. Once you figure that out, the game becomes immensely more enjoyable. Oh yeah, and like the concept also of we have to watch the the events going on because one thing that you're going to have to get accustomed to also is you're never going to sit on a scene and watch the entire scene. So you got to you kind of got to figure out character relationships. Yes. Really fast because there are characters who are like inside inside men essentially where you got kind of got to know that when these two are off on their own, they're going to have a conversation and in that conversation it's randomized, they might change the code of the system. So you got to be aware of that so whenever you see it makes you know and understand the character dynamics 
early on as a way of like rewarding you to being able to progress. One thing I, I said um, when I was talking to Michael was this game is amazingly well like designed. <laughs> ba- balanced, I yeah, think. Would yeah, be the it's better balanced yeah. as hell, which is insane. I can't believe that's the takeaway here because like the first bit of the game, once you understand like the codes and everything, they don't ask you to save anyone. Before anyone's in the house, they throw like probably 15, 20 augers at you. And that is mainly for when they like into the bedroom, you know that the trap is the bed springing up and like knocking them into like a hidden compartment in the wall. Yeah. So you know, okay, here's the trap in the bedroom. Here's the trap in the second hallway. Here's the trap in the first hallway. It's to let you get like a sort of lay of the land where you know all the traps in the house. So that way, when you're like looking at the little thumbnails on the bottom, when you're like, oh, he's near the uh, coffee table. I need to hit the button for the coffee table so it goes down with the the person in it. So, you know, okay, I figured out what my options are in any given moment. Also, as the game gets more frantic, you can kind of time it where you're like, okay, I know the trap is over in the bathroom beside the shower. He's not there yet. I can run over here, look at something real quick, and then come back and trigger the trap in time. Or, like, they're slowly making their way to the stairs. I know the trap is on the stairs. They're not there yet. I can, like circle around the whole you have time to thumb your way through all of the cameras and then go back and be fine but once you figure that out the game is great yeah and like we also can't believe i'm calling this game great yes i, I was this is not how was i was expecting this. we thought this today. was going to be a piece of shit that we're going to have to be like i can't believe we played this piece of shit something's got to go below dead space i'm telling you what they ain't going below dead space brother <laughs> brother that's a spoiler for the end of the year but this fucking thing ain't going below dead space <laughs> Me and, me and Night Trap going to fight. We're going to fight for our right. Um, this uh, One of my favorite things about this thing, um, in this early part in particular, is that once you've kind of learned the, the gameplay and you've captured enough augers to complete, um, then the game takes a twist where it's now about making sure certain events take place. And how will you? When it gets to this point, there's a checkpoint. There's a checkpoint. Um, like I said, the game's about 25 minutes long. This is the 13 minute. So it's more. right at the halfway point. Yeah. Um, and at that point, you're basically needing to protect everybody in the uh, house. But also, this is when the game gets off the fucking rails. Because at one point, A, the commando team is slowly trying they're, to get into the house. They're the worst. And they're getting captured left and fucking right. Like, <laughs> they got like silencer MAC-10s and shotguns. But like... We, the IT guy, is getting shit done. Them, they're just running around and getting captured left and right. Um, I would say the kid Charlie is more of a commando than, the than commando. any of these commandos. Because <laughs> at one point, after surviving an attack of the, by the vampires, he runs back outside to Crazy Eddie. In which Crazy Eddie's like, hey kid, do you like violets? Look what I found. And hands him a remote control that causes the vampires to explode. And this is right before the checkpoint, so we didn't see the whole scene. But you see in the thumbnail, is like, what's this explosion happening? And then you see Crazy Eddie and Charlie just shooting these, like, remote-controlled, like, rocket launchers, essentially, into the woods like it's the freaking scene from Predator. It's like a weird bonding moment too they're like ha 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 they're pretty fun huh yeah they're pretty great Chris Yeti um uh at this point also we've already had the music video but this is when the guards are actually starting to get attacked by the Argors this is also when we're gonna put a, a little 
mark here, one of the failure states in this part is the the failure state that triggered a lot of the controversy surrounding this game. We'll talk more about that one in yes. particular. But long story short, you're trying to save the guards throughout these attacks by the Argors. You're also saving Charlie, who's running around, uh, blowing the fuck out of vampires. <laughs> um, there's a point he gets which... in trouble once, and he's a critical. He it makes sense that he's a critical spot. Like you can't finish the game if you don't save Charlie, which makes sense because he's the one competent person. If you don't have Charlie, what else are you going to? But be then doing? Charlie also at one point runs outside and never comes back. That's true. They they repeat the scene when he runs out the first time. If you do it yeah. correctly. It's literally the same shot where he runs out again. And he just disappears. There's a point in which Crazy Eddie shows up dressed as a vampire. And we're like, wouldn't it be funny if you could capture Crazy Eddie? And then you could. And you can. But also, if you don't capture Crazy Eddie, nothing fucking happens. He doesn't show up again, which... There's I a guess, lot of that where people disappear from the story and never show back up. Once they're, like, they either... The game marks them as saved or not saved, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. It's There's no, like, Crazy Eddie's still running around this house. <laughs> um... It point, would also be a lot, because he's dressed as an auger at that point, it would kind of be a lot if you had to keep track of which of the augers is Eddie. That would to, be almost impossible, I feel like. That would be, I, yeah. It would be It tough. was a fun one-time gag, but I feel like if you actually made a gameplay mechanic where it's like, don't, don't trap Eddie. Yeah, because the only difference was he had one of those little devices in his hand. Um, this is when Kelly tells all the guards that she's tr- uh, actually a true secret agent. Um, and then proceeds to talk at you, and all the girls are like, are you going to help us? And there's a weird pause. <laughs> um, at this point, like I said, we're just saving the girls as we go throughout the thing, but one of my favorite things, and we talked about this a lot while we were playing it, the game starts to mix up some stuff on you. There's some red herrings here. Yeah, there's a lot of red herrings, so there'll be a point in which you have two groups of people in danger at the same time, and you're more likely, like, there's a point in which um, Charlie after blowing up a vampire, is like in a hallway being you like, hell yeah. He's got this. He's good. And then the two guards are in danger in the living room. They're trying to keep like someone out, yeah. I think, at this point. Yeah. And you're like, well, clearly I need to go rescue them. But in reality, you got to rescue Charlie again. Uh, there's a point in which it tells you to use the trap, and you've been using the traps to save the guards. Yeah, one of the augers is like carrying one of the girls away. But the problem is the guard is over the trap, not the auger. So if you trigger the trap, she falls into the trap. And you're like, oh no! But what you actually have to do is not trigger the trap, wait till the next time an Argo steps over it, and then trigger it. It's little stuff like that that I think is cool, where you're like actively choosing when to not trigger the trap, instead of just triggering it every time someone's by it. And they do a good job of making you like a presence in what is happening, because the characters will look up to you, give you like a thumbs up. In a hilarious way, or just like go, hey, thanks. Yeah, like it's like a good way of being like, I did that. You rescue a guard at one point. She runs into the hallway and she looks at you. She's like, thank you so much, and then disappears from the story. Um, This is also like when you start getting into like quote unquote the bosses, because you're dealing with the two brothers who are vampires, and like they're attacking the guards, and all this is leading to the fact that Kelly is the last one who stays in the house. And so you're taking out the two brothers, and also the family comes home, the parents. Yeah. And so you have the final confrontation with both the parents and the daughter, with Kelly, you you and Kelly walking together. There is a short interruption 
a couple interruptions by the commando team, the com- the completely useless commandos. There's one point one of them dresses up as a guy in like a Hawaiian shirt and shows up in a really bad Jamaican accent <laughs> Terrible. while looking for a boat. And he just shows up for a little I... bit and then disappears. <laughs> Or gets kicked back out of that, the house. That was right before the checkpoint, because I only remember seeing that, like, once before it, was, it goes. He just walks in and goes, like, oh, I'm just looking for my boat. And the two kids are, like, the two brothers are, like, I don't know where your boat is, man. Get out. And they push him out. <laughs> um, also, there's multiple times commandos try to get into the house just to get eat, or get attacked and dragged off. Um, there's also a point in which the commandos finally get the family together. Kelly and them are interrogating the commando, I mean, the uh, vampire family. And then... They shoot at the vampires, and the vampires yell the immortal line, your bullets do not harm me. Ha, 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 ha. Because it's a weird cut, because it's the um, commando in full frame, and he shoots, and then cuts to like the wide shot where you see everybody. It's like a completely different, it could have been a completely different scene. But it's like, aha, your bullets have no effect on me. What, the, what a weird... It's a weird fucking what game. What a weird game. <laughs> All the commandos get taken out. And it's just you and Kelly to take out the rest of the vampire family. And she's like leading. It's cool because she's leading them across traps and everything. So yes. you've got to go watch it because they'll also, you'll get the flash whenever she's running. Yeah, you can actually trigger it and capture Kelly by mistake. So like you have to be careful. Um, just kind of give you a heads up of how we played this. We beat this in about two hours. That sounds right. Uh it's like says only about 25 minutes in the story, but you're obviously having to repeat stuff. You also have to get accustomed to the fact you're not always going to watch all the scenes and know exactly all the points because you're constantly having to jump between cameras. But because of the replay ability of the thing, you're going to pick up on the bulk of it. Um, we did finish the game with like a quote unquote good ending. Seventy. We caught seventy-seven of the of one hundred augers possible, and we saved all of the friends. Yeah, we saved everybody, and uh, we didn't do the. Apparently, at the very end, like Kelly walks down the hallway, like ah, it's you like can a trap her at the end. It's like an end of like a sitcom, and then you could apparently just like, launch a trap and be like, <laughs> it'd be like the true one survivor is me, the IT guy. You know? <laughs> but um. I we got the good ending. The only thing we did do is we played all the way up to how we figured out the basics of how we were going to finish the game, and then we did have to use a guy just to f- hurry up and finish the rest of it, um, just, just to f- knock out the ending bit really yeah. fast because we were we got to the point where it's like we know everything we're going to discuss for the game, but was like we could figure that we could spend the next hour figuring this out the optimal way, yeah. But we just were like let's just let's we have like. Three more minutes of time code left. Let's, yeah. let's see the end of this thing. Let's just knock it out real quick. But like I said, an extra owl probably would have been done with it. Uh, very, like, it's it's extremely, like, user-friendly when you think about it. And now we are playing the the re-release version. So we are playing the um, the updated... The 25th anniversary yeah, edition. Yeah, 25th anniversary edition. Includes some, like, extras there. Including like a tech demo, which I'll talk about when we di- when I discuss yeah. the history of this game. Uh, surprise, surprise! We fucking like this video. Okay, I really like this game. This is a I I said already, but this occupies a similar space in my mind as like a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like when you're just in the mood for like pure camp, this is the game to play. This is gonna be a game. If you're at a party, like I had some parties in college where I brought like games for like friends to see and yeah. play, sometimes like horror games. Like, we played, like, Five Nights at Freddy's with a group, and that was a lot of fun. Take this game 
and have people experience it. Like, you can... It, it, I feel like this would be better there initially, like if you have someone who's played it before, to get you through that rough like first 10-15 minutes of figuring it out. Just be like, okay, you're going to start on this color, then you need to listen for the changes in like the color of the system. If you have that there and that baseline knowledge, you're in for like a really fun party game. We had a great time, even when like the other one was playing, like watching the screens and be like, shit, you got two in the bedroom. Like, I see movement. Yeah, movement, movement, movement. movement, movement. <laughs> And then, like, both, like, walking together to figure out the game. We had a really good time doing that. Like, I very much suggest playing this in a group. I imagine, you know, the more people, the better. As long as everyone's, like, invested in the camp, then you're probably going to have a great time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's on sale a lot on the Switch. Yeah. I got it for, like, five bucks. So... That was... I mean, you paid for it, but I think it was worth it. Oh, it was fucking worth it. I had a great... (laughs) Five bucks for two hours of good time? I'm fine with that. Like, will I probably play this again? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Play with the guy to get the 100% maybe, easy. Because yeah. you can, they have the pause option, so you can knock out one and then look at the time code on a walkthrough and then yeah. figure out the next one. It might be worth it to see, I would like to see that tech demo at some point, too. Yeah, like, there was a tech demo thing that, it, the only thing I don't like is it has a lot of its bonus material locked behind completion stuff but i would i'd feel bad if this like a longer game but this game being so short and so easy to like look up a walkthrough for i don't i I don't mind that but at the same time it was like you're making me do extra work for for what is the 25th anniversary edition which is like i'm buying this for the history just as much as the game itself if you're buying night trap you're interested in the overall like what this means in the history of video games you're not buying it because it's something that you need you didn't, like, to play. You didn't have in your cart Night Trap and Doom Eternal. You wouldn't sit there and be like, which game am I going to play this feature. week? You're not doing that. Like, if you buy a Night Trap, you're like, I got to experience this shit. I got to see what's up with this thing. Like, I mean, I, I feel like that's the big thing. Like, Exactly. Night Trap is is as much about the history as it is the game itself. The fact that we actually enjoyed this fucking game blows my mind. I was expecting us to, like, have fun going, man, that was terrible. Yeah. In a fun way. But, like, the fact that it's, like, legitimately a competent game is something I wasn't expecting. Yeah. And I will value this game and its experience going, man... It was trying some things. Yeah, it was doing some shit, man. I, I actually really enjoyed this game. Um, now let's talk about the real reason we did this show, though. So, Michael, I know you talked about you enjoyed this game. Mm-hmm. But did you know, Michael, did you know that it has corrupted your mind? You're now a degenerate. Oh, no. How I knew dare this, you? I knew this day would come. <laughs> you knew this day was come. <laughs> the innocence has been removed from your life. Now you are the evil definition of what's wrong with society. Because I played this T-rated video game. Night Trap caused some shit. All right. If anyone is familiar with the um the thing called the Satanic Panic, all right. It's also like linked to things like you know more panics around music and video games, things like that. Uh, it basically with uh metal. And then hip hop got dragged into it. The filthy fifteen of heavy yeah. metal music, including like Twisted Sister and uh, Judas Priest. Judas Priest, Slayer, everyone from like Slayer, who were like a band that actually had like pentagrams and demons in their album covers, 
to like Led Zeppelin who's singing about fucking Lord of the Rings. Like, I mean, <laughs> or, or like Twisted Sister with lines like, we're not going to take it. No, we ain't going to take it anymore. And like somehow that's satanic. Long story short, <sighs> people have a t- long history of getting really weird about like shit and getting up in arms over things that they view as immoral. Most recently, the Little Nas X shoe yeah, stuff. Yeah, Little Nas X made a music video. And everybody freaked out because they're like, Nike is supporting the devil. And like every pastor and local church official and local, you know, mayor came out being like, we got to stop Little Nas X. Went all the way. Little Nas X is laughing to the bank. Good for him on making some money. (laughs) Uh, That all that horse riding money ran out. So it's time to piss off people with Nike tennis shoes. Um, But. The weirdest thing is Night Trap, along with games like Mortal Kombat, uh, kind of started the more panic around video games. This and those two games, uh, Mortal Kombat dropped off on, on the arcades the same week as Night Trap. Hell of a stores. week. Good week for video Good games. Good week for video games. Mortal Kombat and freaking Night Trap. Um, so we watched a documentary that's included in the Night mm. Trap 20th, uh, 25th anniversary edition that talks about a lot of the controversy. And they talk about there's some clips from Senate hearings in which people are like, this game includes rape. This disgusting. And gore. The people who are responsible for this smut should be held accountable. And Michael, we, I, I, play, I entered this game looking to try to see what, what it was. That pissed people off. Michael, there was no there was no gore. There was definitely no rape. There was no... The violence is cartoonish as hell. It's like a, the equivalent of like... A slightly edgier Legends of the Hidden Temple. With yeah. like traps falling and like... Uh, goons just falling into holes with like smoke coming out and everything. Like it's... It's fucking cartoon. It's a cartoon, exactly. It's a, it's a Scooby-Doo cartoon. It really is. Like, the fact even, uh, there was an interesting thing on there about Hasbro wanted no kind of violence that could be recreated. So, so like... They were careful to, like, being like, we no one can replicate this, like, grab claw blood vampire machine. You don't see any blood except blood in, like, a tube that you described it best when we were talking about it as it looking like, a, like what's at the blood bank. Like, the tube that they stick in your arm having the blood come up the tube that's blood and gore man that's the most you see and it's very hard and we're playing it on a modern day console on a remaster edition seeing that shit on the sega freaking like you're not gonna even see it i don't think in the original version that's so <laughs> pixelated as hell you ain't gonna see that blood coming up that tube um the scene that kind of was used as a like the 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 flag they were waving is one of the failure state scenes in which one of the guards is in a nightgown and she is in a bathroom and you have to rescue her from three argos that come out and like they, they they attack her they put the clamp thing around her neck and they drag her off because anybody who gets captured in this game just gets dragged off nobody gets hurt no on one screen. gets killed on screen yeah no is one that gets right? killed on yeah. screen Except and, like the augers, but they blow up in such a, like a cartoony way, like it's. But they don't even blow up; they just fall into shit. I mean, whenever uh, Charlie was using his like. Um, oh yeah, but that's a yeah. That's just like a. It's like a puff of smoke, and they're gone. It's Tom and Jerry. It's Tom and Jerry, 
Um, this scene in particular, they they I think it's where they get all the sexual violence stuff, and like yeah, she's in a nightgown, but it's not even like a super. It's not lingerie. It's like a it's a, a nightgown. She's it's played extremely comedic. There is no like vibe of sexual assault. It's like no, she gets just the vampire thing around her neck, and they drag her off like they drag off everybody, and. I, you brought up a good point. You're like, if I was a parent who walked in the room at this exact moment... Not, I'd have some questions, at you least. You might be like, what kind of game are you playing? But would you be like, I have to call my congressman right now? No, I would be like... Let's say I'm walking in on an eight-year-old... Uh, walking into like an eight-year-old playing on that scene. I'd be like, what are you playing? They'd probably be like in that moment. Uh, uh, uh. It's not as bad as it looks. But me as a parent, I would engage with that media, and really see, and then determine that. Well, theoretically, I would have determined this before I even bought the game for them. Almost like you being an active parent is a part of knowing what your kids are getting into. Mm -hmm. I'm a parent. I got kids. I don't buy them shit that I don't know something about. Like she's watching a TV show. I'll watch some of the show to see if there's anything on there I, she shouldn't be watching. Like, and then it's not like, uh, you need to, this is evil, you need to turn away and be like, hey, let's, you, you divert. You go, what, what, let's try to find something else. Or you do what I do. Uh, those times I've been like, this is something that's probably for you when you're older. Yeah. And a lot of times kids are pretty smart, and they're like, okay, cool. And you say, let's watch this instead. And kids are pretty, pretty smart. Like, the concept of like, no. This shouldn't exist because my child is existing. Like, there is media from people of all different ages. Now, I'm going to kind of go on a tangent here. But, like, just because, Mike, not all media. Okay, I watched Suicide Squad last night. I didn't watch Suicide Squad with my kid. My kid went to bed, and I stayed up and watched that movie. That's a hard R movie, lots of blood, lots of gore. I know that's not for my child. So what I did as a parent was say, I'm not going to let them watch it. What a novel concept. What a novel concept. Instead of me calling my congressman and being like, John Cena's running around in his whitey tidy shooting people in the head with a gun. It's like, no, fuck that shit. It's just <laughs> not for my kids. As a parent, take responsibility for your fucking children. Um, but I was watching this and I was like, what's, what's the more – like the way they are describing this stuff is that it was like a smut film. Not a smut film, like a snuff film. Snuff yeah. film. And it's like, it's, dude, none of that is... That, it's you, a B-grade horror movie. It's not even a B-grade. Like, in B-grade horror, a lot of times they put a lot of blood in it just to make it, you know, scary somewhat. Like, I'm thinking about horror movies of the time. Like, this is around the time, like, Evil Dead came out. This is a made-for-TV, like, it's like a, 11 p.m. horror movie. It's like a... It's like a lifetime horror movie. Yeah. Like, it's nothing... Nothing here is morally objectable. If you got a... Pro, like, the, I was trying to be like, is, are they mad about some of the guards, like, wearing sports bras or anything? But I'm like, it's the 80s. Everyone was wearing fucking sports bras and workout clothes all the time. I was like... The workout fad of the 80s was very yeah, much a thing. Yeah, yeah, it was like... A nothing thing. that people wore was, like, something that you wouldn't see on, like, an episode of, like, Saved by the Belt. Exactly. Like... There was no, and then like with the violence, it's either so cartoony, it's ridiculous, 
or ir- it's just irrep- irreplicable, I think is the right word. Like, cannot be replicated in real yes. life, essentially. No one's got a, a blood-sucking grabby claw. <laughs> I don't know about you, but... <laughs> Your kids doesn't own a remote control that makes vampires explode. Like, if they did, that's just a, that's just a useful tool. Yeah, yeah, just, you protect the house from vampires. Yeah, your kid, do you have a house with the bookcase turns around and knocks you into a pit? Then you probably can't recreate the violence of Night Trap. Like the way they described this game is that it was a like a snuff film, hmm. and, and instead, what you got was a B grade. Like everyone obviously involved in this game was having a fun time playing in it. Like you know, you could tell a lot of like. Wink and nods to the cameras. You know, everyone's having literal a good thumbs time. up and winks to the camera. Everybody had a good time making this damn thing, and it shows. It's not even scary. Oh no, it's not even scary. Like the moral panic behind this thing, because is ridiculous. Just like the game itself, like you, it's insane that it blew up as much as it did, and the reason we have a rate what. Do games need a rating system? I would say, yes. It's helpful for parents. It's helpful for anybody who's, like, uh, to just to, like, guide their own, like, personal sensibilities of what they want to experience Some and whatnot. Some people are yeah. sensitive to certain content, and there's nothing wrong with saying, like, hey. I want to know if this game's for me fuck, or Fuck, I think we've even done this in on this show before where we've done, like, a thing at the beginning, like, hey – this game we're talking about involves some of this material. Life is Strange Life deals is strange. with some, uh, like, personal-like yeah. stuff like that. It and, deals with yeah. some hardcore emotional stuff. And I think we even put a disclaimer in front of it saying, like, hey, we're going to talk about some of this stuff. If you're not comfortable with that, we understand. You can go into the next episode, and you know, we'll see you next time. Exactly. Like, And that's what a rating should be. It's like a, hey, heads up. Mm-hmm. This is in there. Just so you know before you get involved. You don't, so that way you don't accidentally let your like four year old play like Conquer's Bad Fur Day or yeah, something. Yeah, I like, mean, that's it. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. It exists for a reason. Should this have been the game to create the rating system? No, no. It it it's some straight up bullshit, uh, <laughs> seduction of the innocent level bullshit. Okay, yeah. so there was a book written in the I want to say in the fifties called Seduction of the Innocent that targeted in particular comics and it's why comics took a comics in the early 50s we had a lot of like horror comics and like comics were a lot of things and after the book the seduction of the innocent the comics code was put into place and comics kind of starts becoming more childlike you know child friendly for mm-hmm. a long time until i would say around the 70s and then wasn't it, i think you told me that like they just were like i'm just going to Release a book that doesn't meet these guidelines and see uh, and find out what happens. Stan Lee was editor of Marvel Comics at the time. He wanted to do a Spider-Man book that dealt with drugs. It was even like an anti-drug thing. But you can't mention drugs under the comic code at all. You couldn't even mention a needle because a needle was drug paraphernalia. Um, so Stan Lee's like, what happens if we don't do it? Why if we don't put the comics code on there? And everyone's like, no, you can't do that, Stan. He goes, what happens if you don't? And he released the comic just without the comics code on there. And jack shit happened because it was just one of those like, you better not do that. Better not cross that line. And there was no fucking repercussion to it. No one was watching. 
and it was just like everyone was so scared. So then he just started like, if they had something that violated the code, he just didn't put the code on there. <laughs> so not a Stanley's a complicated individual, but in that particular aspect, good on him. He's like, ah, what's he gotta do about it? <laughs> um, but like the fact that this is the reason video games have a rake a rating is ridiculous. Um. Like I said, I'm okay with the idea of ratings. I am, uh, particularly when it's an industry designed thing ran by the industry, when it's not a like a government oversight thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what the ESRB is. I mean, the ESRB is I'll, ran by the industry. We'll, it is not. We'll talk more about like the ESRB once we like cover the whole span of like the the game itself and its yeah. history. Well, I mean, well, we're, we're pretty we're, much going into that. Yeah, now. we're going into that okay, now. Yeah. How about you? I mean, you've got some notes on that. The, the whole history of like how this game came to be and yeah. stuff is fascinating. Yeah. This is like the real reason we wanted to play this. And the fact that we actually ended up enjoying it is just a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> so should I start from the beginning of night traps history? Yeah. Let's just right. do a, we're doing like an abbreviated thing. Obviously yeah. we do encourage you to mm-hmm. go watch like the documentary and stuff. It's worth Ab- doing. Absolutely. So, founder and CEO of Digital Pictures that made this game, Tom Zito, was obsessed with films, went to NYU. He became a journalist and wrote for uh, publications like Washington Post, Rolling Stone. And in 1984, he was tasked to interview Nolan Bushnell, who was the co-founder of Atari, who at the time ran a venture capitalist technology company called Catalyst Technologies. They owned... Several companies that focus on varying degrees of, like, they had one company that focused on to make a digital map of the world, and they were the first company to do that. And the most important one was Axelon, who did consumer electronics, like a teddy bear that responds to your voice. Like, uh, what was his name? Is it the Reading Bear? I don't think... I didn't write down the, oh, the bear's name. It? I care about these things, Michael. <laughs> I care about the teddy bears. It was a, there was a bear that you could, like, put a tape in them. And he'd read the bear to you. Teddy Rapsman. I think that, that might have been... He, did they do Teddy Rapsman? You don't have to look this up. Okay. Listeners, well, send in your emails to etstateofthesave uh, at um, gmail.com to stateofthesave at gmail.com. And uh, at stateofthesave on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, say, Eric, this is the name of that teddy bear you were talking about. <laughs> So Tom and Nolan headed off, and Nolan asked Tom to quit his job and move to California and work at Axelon as the VI as the VP. This was the, the era when there was just money being handed Handed. out left and fucking right. You got video, an idea? Here's ten million dollars. Video games were like the like the rock stars of the day. Like they had like meetings in hot tubs with you know strippers and cocaine it's on the crazy. side. Like they were having a hell of a time at Atari at this point. So on the trip to a Wallabies, uh, Tom Zito saw kids gathered around the NES playing Mario Brothers. He wanted to see what all the fuss is about, so he bought the system for himself and played some of it and he was unimpressed with the graphics saying that it didn't seem more advanced than like atari or something which seems crazy because obviously to look at us mario brothers looks a lot better than anything you would see on the atari yo but i'm trying to think of somebody who maybe just didn't play a lot of video games or focus on technology itself yeah, was like was we're so much capable guy. of it yeah but you know i could see him as a tech guy because this is at the beginning of like special effects and movies and stuff like yeah he's like no we can do better stuff than this so he went to axelon and proposed 
to develop a game console that would compete with Nintendo, that will allow users to interact with real images. This was a console that could do specifically this thing. And he pitched that these games would be developed on VHS tapes. The future of technology. <laughs> Say what you want about VHS tapes. I was alive doing VHS tapes. Oh, yeah. Like, it was the future, bro. The idea of having a game on it, though, was, like, crazy. Dude, and I didn't know how this would work until they, like, explained it. Yeah. So, Bushnell gave Zito the okay to assemble a team of veteran developers from, like, the Atari days to explore this possibility. And they developed a prototype. So, the games would be played on the system with the backgrounds displayed on a VHS tape. So you would pop in the game and pop in a VHS tape that aligned with the game, and you would play a game with the VHS tape happening in the background. Huh. As a, like, to fill in, like, the game would be superimposed over the video image. Almost like how there's some old arcade games and, like, little portables where the game was, like, like the, it was, like, the portables that were, like, it's baseball. And so it's, like, an image of the baseball field and then it would impose the digital players on top of the image. Exactly. And so you're like the image doesn't change but the players just move and flash in front of the image. Yeah. Very similar kind of concept. So they he needed seven million more dollars to like really focus he's like, I'm almost there, I just need more money and they're like and uh, the head of the company was like, Uh, you need to find some outside help to put in. We already gave you enough money. So Hasbro won it. They funded the development and give, gave $7 million to develop a prototype called Nemo. And they developed three tech demos for the Nemo. Scene of the Crime, which is on the Night Trap Anniversary Collection, which is a like a whodunit, where you have to like protect this safe. It's, and you have to kind of keep an eye, keep tabs on everybody in the space. It's a four-minute game, and at the end you're like, whodunit, and then you pick whodunit. It was like a, it was a very basic mystery. Yeah. Uh, bottom of the ninth inning, which is exactly what you would think. A baseball game that is in the bottom of the ninth inning. And an interactive music video for the car song, you might think. <laughs> Hasbro loved the demos, but Bish- but Bushnell hated them and fired Zito. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, this sucks. <laughs> Bushnell is a fascinating human being. If you ever have a chance to like watch some stuff on him... He's a fucking fascinating human being. He's also in charge of the. Uh, he, he's the guy who started Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, well, he's the Chuck one, e. Cheese. One of the companies he was in was about making animatronics for. Yeah. Stuff like that. Just he's an insane human being. Crazy, crazy. So after he was fired, Hasbro bought the Zemo from Axelon. The Nemo, not the Zemo. The Baron Zemo. The Baron Zemo. <laughs> Hasbro bought the Nemo from Axelon and then rehired Zito. After failing to get the rights to Nightmare on Elm Street for a property, Zito hired Terry McDonald to pin the script. McDonald was a writer for Golf Magazine and two episodes of Miami Vice. <laughs> Think about that. That You know what that would be like? It would be like me and you getting hired to write a video game. Like, you know, Eric and Michael, podcast hosts of State of the Save. And you know they uh they uh occasionally have done a little bit of, like theater production once or twice. Let's get those guys to write a video game. <laughs> like it would be like the same. If like it's like one of you listeners sending us a, like a proposition. Like hey, I got a movie. Uh, I want you to direct it. It's like oh, all right. <laughs> okay, sure. The sad thing is we agree to it. <laughs> we write your fucking video game. Cool. <laughs> the Nemo was re- renamed the Control Vision. 
control of it. That's yeah. a very early 90s name. Like video game console. Night Trap had a six month long. Then they began shooting games for this thing. Night shooting games for this thing. How crazy is that? Yeah, it's Night, literally shooting. Night Trap had a six month long development cycle divided between shooting and programming. The game was shot by Don Burgess, who would later be nominated for an Academy Award in cinematography for Forrest Gump. You know, if you think about it. It's pretty well shot. It's okay, well shot. Especially for the limitations of having to be, like, static cameras. You know, like, you know, he can't move the camera around on those rooms. They they do some zoom-ins and, like, different camera angles for it. But mostly you're looking at, like, a static shot. Also, like, one thing we didn't bring up is there's all these, like, fail-state scenes where, like, you'll screw up and, like, a thing will happen. And, like, all of those are unique and different, and they, they look pretty good. Well, he directed, he was nominated for an Academy Award for Forrest Gump. And Night Trap was shot on 35mm film in the span of 16 days, and then converted to videotape. That's fucking insane. <laughs> it's like how The Phantom Menace, the first film to be shot digitally, was available on VHS. If you think yeah, about yeah, it. I remember, yeah, I had it on VHS. Uh, Dana Plato of Different Strokes fame was cast in the lead role, and the development team realized the development team once they were handed back the footage, they realized traditional game design methods had to be thrown out the window because they could not tweak the footage to better suit gameplay flow. Yeah, which so like sense. if they needed, like oh, it would make more sense if we like uh, had a, long, a longer window here so the player could switch here faster. If they just didn't have that footage to work with, so they had to, they couldn't edit anything. It was strange like uh, being a game traditional game designer than being grown like this they kind of had to learn on the fly dana uh does a pretty good job actually in this game oh yeah like i'm thinking she's the kind of the main character and obviously she's the main like portion that they cast not a bad job not a bad performance everyone else is campy she actually has a little bit of like legit acting chops and it, it shows for it shows sure. you know so Night Trap was developed alongside Sewer Shark, which is something we don't have time to really get into, oh, for the Control Visions launch. And both of those had a combined budget totaling $4.5 million, which made them the most expensive games of the era. Like, I, I, I heard you, but I'm also sitting here thinking if people, if people do like some reviews and shit for me, maybe we'll play Sewer Shark. <laughs> this is... The system was canceled before it was. I launched. noticed how quickly you moved on. From that. <laughs> the system was canceled before it went to market because of the high. It was a high cost product. It would have retailed for three hundred dollars. Ooh, in 1980 money, that's a lot of money. Right now, in 2020 money, that's about six hundred and fifty bucks. Woo! Uh, to compete, because remember, he was designing this to be an alternative to the Nintendo Entertainment System. In '87, Nintendo was worth one hundred dollars. Makes you sense. were going. So Hasbro was like, "We can't release this." So Zito bought the rights to the games, and where they sat in a warehouse in Rhode Island. <laughs> so Zito founded Digital Pictures to work with Sega to transition the games to seat the CD format because the CD format allowed for both the game and the footage they shot to be together not in like separate entities mm, makes sense yeah to for the sega cd add-on for the sega genesis and the game finally released october 1992 five years after the game was developed reviews were mixed positive reviews played the game's b-movie charm and the technology negative reviews could not get past the gameplay i mean 
I, I, I'm trying to think of the fact that, like, I actually enjoyed this game. I know, right? Like, I'm having a hard time. Would this have, at the same time, let's, let's think about how it looks. Like, they showed footage. We were playing, like, a remastered version yeah. oh. of it. Playing it on a Sega Genesis controller might have also been key thing to remember is we had the little video clips in the bottom to help us track movement. They didn't have those. They didn't have that. It's just a photo, and I imagine I'm not 100. percent We probably should have played it on that mode just to see, but I believe it probably just like lit up or something because you notice like it didn't show a clip of the the living room. So there wasn't a way to like check the living room, viva the little screens. I I imagine playing this back in '92 would have been rough. Also, we're playing it on a nice 60 inch high definition television. We can track stuff pretty damn easy compared to uh you know, a 20 inch CRT. CRT that we would have been playing this on in 1992. So yeah, I mean, let's give some people. We also are playing this at a different technological advantage. Yeah, here. exactly. Um, let's talk about the reception of this here game. Yeah, the in December of 1993, we talked about the hearing of video game violence, and the hearing was Howard Lincoln representing Nintendo. He was the senior VP and had a background in law. He was a lawyer who was the VP of Nintendo. Bill White was the vice president of marketing representing Sega. Okay. And if you look at the hearing, um... Howard Lincoln presents himself like a lot better. He's like on the attack against Sega for allowing this to happen. Because he's like, oh, at Nintendo, we regulate, we can regulate ourselves and determine from ourselves. Nintendo can step in and determine what's right for our platform. Yeah. And then Bill White's like, we have a rating system. It's very bare bones, but we have one. And, but then they were, but then he, he kept walking onto his own dynamite because. Howard Lincoln then pulled out a copy. He's like, there's no rating system on this game. You didn't add one until after it got heat. <laughs> so he was, it was a bloodbath for Sega. It was, they, he had some good points there. I mean, uh, Bill you're going White. up against I mean, Bill White's main, argu- main argument for Night Trap was like, well, if you're a good player, you won't see those scenes. Which is a bad <laughs> argument. But like, for one, you're going up against a lawyer, a professional lawyer. With the Nintendo VP. Mm-hmm. You're going against a very hostile environment. Like, you go into... Like, n- most of these Senate hearings are shams, right? Like, it's full publicity. It's to get voters. It's like what you see now when the Senate brings in freaking... Um, you know, I don't know. Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. They don't know... Half of them don't even know how to, like, change the password on their phone. And, like, they're like, well, Mr. Zuckerberg... Why is it not a cell phone won't turn on? And you're like, and Zuckerberg's doing IT for these senators. <laughs> like, it's just a way for them to get a lot their voters to feel like they did something. You know, the, a lot of them don't. And same thing here. My defense for Saga would be, one, I don't think the content is justified, the, the response. But then two, like, I'm like thinking about the fact that, like, this doesn't even touch, like, what was on TV at the time. Like, I just can't see this content being so offensive that it would justify this kind of level of response. Well, if you think of, like, even more gratuitous, like, TV at the time, that did get protested, like, what was that? NYPD Blue. 
at the time what got a lot of they were marketing it as like it's an R-rated cop drama for TV. And so that marketing alone got a lot of people like protesting that show. And then after a few episodes no one cared anymore. But it's like the Super Bowl. Every Super Bowl halftime performance has people writing into the FCC being like, "You believe you let the weekend shake his hips?" It's like, motherfucker, have y'all seen Elvis? <laughs> like, why y'all fucking watching? They, this they had offensive? to frame. They had to frame Elvis on a tight shot on TV because yeah. they couldn't show him move his Could pelvis. She, couldn't show move those those hips, man. What would the young ladies of the ward think <laughs> if they saw Elvis's hips? Here's my favorite thing about the Serent hearings. Uh, the week after the Serent hearings, Night Trap sold fifty thousand more copies. Because and there was something a that year was after release. There's something that they said in the documentary is like, what's the quickest way to make a twelve year old boy want something? Tell him he's not mature enough to handle it. Like, dude, exactly. It's like metal, right? When you're a kid, your parents are like, "Don't listen to that Slayer." Parental advisory. And you're like, "Fuck, that's exactly what I want to <laughs> listen to, man." Like, what what's hiding behind the parental advisory? Uh, I am happy that there is a ratings board. Yeah, I'm glad that that came about. And the way that because there because the end of the hearings was essentially. You need to find a way to all agree and self-regulate, or we're gonna, or the government's gonna step in and make the rating system for you. And that would have been a nightmare. That would have been horrible because the worst thing to do is to have someone who doesn't understand your industry regulate your industry. Yes. So, the ESRB formed as a result of the hearings, and Night Trap was pulled off of shelves in early 1994, which. It was out for a year and a half at that point, and at that point, used games is... You're probably not going to find a sealed copy anymore anyway, so it was like kind of a moot point at that. Anyway, so um, there was a follow-up hearing in 1994 after the ESRB, and it was significantly shorter and a lot less hostile because the games industry had gone through one of this before. They knew what to expect, so they... Rolled up and was like, here's how the ESRB is going to work. Everybody is going, we're going to ask everyone to send in, willingly send in video copy of their like worst content of the game. We're going to have someone review those videotapes. We're going to get assign a rating and give it descriptors on the back. And in all the advertising, we're going to make sure that the rating and all the descriptors are on the advertising. We're going to say what the rating is. We're going to have a hotline for parents to call and ask questions about specific games if they want. And the key thing was like, how are what's going to? St- and then one key thing, which is actually a really good point from the senator's perspective, give credit where credit's due. He's asking, what's going to stop somebody from not making for making a game, not rating it, and sending it to Walmart or something? Which is actually, you're right. That's, that's actually a, a legitimate legitimate question. Good point. And he said, we've teamed up with retailers, and we we asked them. And they've agreed to let us to for them to regulate themselves and say that um, they have agreed to not sell games that have not gone through the rating system. So that all so all of these major like stores where kids will go and like buy video games or anyone will go buy video games will the only ones that will be available to them are ones that have gone through the rating process. And then the senator was like, oh, you did. Okay, cool. It's basically we use the market to do the the enforcement. That, yes, you can make – I mean, th- this is true today. You can make a game and not rate it, 
No one but will carry who, it. Who's going to carry it? It's not going to go on online services even. Steam, Steam can't won't be able to promote those games. Uh, you can't put it on like the any of the big stores without going through a rating. You need it's necessary. Like you have to go through that process. The only to, way you could release a game today without going through a rating would be to sell it on your own website and advertise it yourself. Mm-hmm. But that's taking away so much of your that's a that's a financial audience. hit. Yeah, you're 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 not getting in front because like the chances are like me and you are ingrained in video games, but we're not like going to go to some random website to buy a copy of something. We're going to go to our normal places where we buy video games from, and so like there is I'm sure those games that get released like that, but. No one fucking knows what they are. So they're, the goal is not only are they creating like a moral uh, controversy for them, but it's also going to hurt them financially to not go through this process, yeah. which was ultimately the solution. And all the senators were like, okay, yeah, you did it. We're not going to regulate you. And then they had a bill that was in the works and they immediately just threw it out. Yeah. So that's the best thing I can say about this is that like they, it got the industry to like get their crap together. And like, it was always nece- going, it was always going to be necessary. Yeah. And it, it's just ridiculous that this is the game that made it necessary. And there were, all the questions there were valid because he was like, "Are you?" Is like, "What are you going to do about pre-existing games?" And he was like, "We have games that are on the market this year in order for us to like get to the holiday season and make sure those rain game, uh, those games are going to be rated. Anything that's been released in the past, we cannot do. If they get re-released, we'll will we require that if they go on a shelf again, they'll be." re-rated but there's no way for us to feasibly look at like the thousands of games that have come out in the past. yeah i mean you can't go back in time you yeah. can't put the genie back in the bottle for all that stuff exactly but what you can do is change where you're going from there forward mm-hmm. like i said i have no issue with the rating board i actually am a fan of the esrbs what they do do i think that they they are perfect no there there's some like the big controversy now with the esrb is having to deal with like uh loot boxes and everything yes it's like shouldn't like because like simulate gambling is a denotion but like when you're actually like spending a bunch of money to try to get a pair of like gold boots or something it becomes like a bigger question than that organization probably wants you're, to answer at the time yeah you're you're getting into situations where you're like and i think that's the next big fight right it's already started where when you when like uh NBA like 2K literally has a prize wheel that you spent you pay for to spend or something. To I mean, get- and I'm not even anti that argument because I think blind boxes suck. It's just I have concerns about government agencies stepping in to try to regulate that. But mm-hmm. like, I'm not anti that fact that the ESRB might need to be looking into like some form of repercussions that if you put that in your game, it changes something in your rating. Like, it, like it'll I be mean, at least a T or at something. At least yeah. a T, because, I mean, some of that stuff is, like, I, I, I'm hesitant to use the word predatory, but it's like it does, it hits you with the endorphin thing, right? And it's like it's military-grade endorphin fuel. Or if, where, like, like, you could have got a gold, but you got a blue, but if you buy ten more packs, you're guaranteed one gold. Or this comes up to the parenting argument, but if you're, like, not watching your kid and they find their way on, like, Fortnite and just go, I pressed this button. And I get V-Bucks. Yeah, don't ever link your card to, like, a game that your kids are playing. Because that's a good you're way gonna have that, that conversation. Go you're going to have that conversation once and go, okay, we need to unlink this. You do not press this button. 
if it if it gives you a screen with a credit card number, you call you call me. Yeah, got it. <laughs> like like yeah yeah, you don't fucking touch the credit card button, you know. <laughs> but no, and like but at the same time, I don't want to say that like adults can't play a game. That they should has do a something about box. this. Think of the children. No, yeah, like, no, it's like there just needs to be a way to make give to parents more tools to do their fucking parenting. Funny 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 thing is Nintendo has probably the best use of this because they have an app where you can like control the parental settings on the switch anywhere most of these consoles have great parental settings oh, yeah they do Dude, like, like we've come a long way since 92 yeah like all these consoles a lot of these consoles have shutoffs after a certain amount of time like if you don't want to make it that your kid can only play one hour of video games it'll shut off after an hour like that stuff exists on those consoles so like you can also like with uh, like routers now, you can have an app where it like turns off Wi-Fi for certain devices after a certain time. Parent advice from Eric: It's up to you to be the parent. It's up to you to show and allow your kid to be exposed to content. Depending on what's right for your child, mm-hmm. it is not up to the government to tell you to, to parent for you. Exactly. Your job is the parent. But if be you have, the fucking parent. But if you have the right family, gather round around the TV and uh, save some girls from some vampires. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the funniest <laughs> part about this is this game didn't even receive the harshest rating the M- the ESRB does. It received a fucking T. Today it did. I think back then when they re-rated it, it was MA-17. But even then, it's like, come on, really? That, that I forget that it used to be the ratings used to be like M-17, T-13. Well, Sega had theirs, and they had three descriptors, which they argued, which was a terrible argument for Sega. It was like, we have general audiences. We have MA-13, which is mature audiences, 13 and up. And mature audience is 17 and up. So the main descriptor was like, is a 13-year-old considered a mature audience? Yeah. It's just like, and he, they were stumbling, was like, well, you should be able to make your decision at 13. And I'm like, what? <sighs> how do you how do you regulate, a, but at the same time, because how do you regulate a mature person who's 13 to buy this game? It's like that, it was, their descriptor was vague, and there's a re- they tried to get their system as the main system to use, but there were two things against it. One, it was vague, and two, Nintendo's like, I'm not going to use your rating system. Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo's like, fuck you. <laughs> we just tore you up in that freaking place. Well, you want to go back in well, without were, us? Nintendo was very bitter on the time, because if you remember, the Nintendo Entertainment System, before 1990, had a 95% market share. Yeah. Sega came in, the, the Genesis was out for two years before 1991, but when 1992 came around, it was 50-50. The Genesis... Re- Genesis does what Nintendo don't. Because of a huge marketing strategy, I won't go into it here, that's a big discussion. Go read the book Console Wars, it touches on this, and all of, and Sega basically coming in like underdogs and breaking up Nintendo's near monopoly. It is a wild book that's so- going to be made into a movie they say at some point, I really want it to be made because there is, it's a good like workplace like underdog story in well, like this weird tech. It industry. was necessary. Yeah, it, it it helped the industry. Monopolies doesn't help anybody. It made the video game industry like viable for like a newcomer to come in and just eat Nintendo's lunch. You probably wouldn't have got a PlayStation. You probably wouldn't have got it, an Xbox that, if you didn't have Sega yes. coming in. And being like, and that's exactly what the book's Genesis about. Genesis does they, when Nintendo don't. They lay on the Nintendo. They lay on the the dawn of Sony coming in and just kicking both of them in the face. So like, they were you. like, they, we, we appreciate what you did, Sega. Screw you. I fuck all of you. Because the PlayStation motherfuckers. The shortest E3 speech ever. Two ninety nine. 
walks off the well, stage. Because the Sega Saturn was like, it's out now for three ninety nine. So it's like, all right, we're Sega's turn. Two ninety nine walks off. That's the speed. <laughs> Not even like an hour later after they say it's on sale now, Sony's like. We got you. You <laughs> They screwed up. What we you activated my trap card. Whenever you blink, don't blink. Don't blink. Oh man. Never go first. Two ninety nine, brother. Um <laughs> So that's the that's Night Trap is fascinating. Night Trap leads to a lot of fascinating things. And as a game itself, it's it's a fun video game. Like I had a great time playing it. I had a great time just dis- discussing it. We also played it, I think, in like the ideal circumstance. With playing it together and stuff. But, yeah, man, it was a hell of a time. I, I really enjoyed that game. That was a damn good video game. I had a, a really good time playing it. Um, it's, we go ahead and lay the, I guess, the trap work for the... The next game. The next game. Yes. So, things are going to go a little bit weird for the month of August. I plan on being on the least of first game. Who knows? It might be on all of them. I don't know. But I have a kid coming at the end of August. So, Mike was going to be taking a lot of the lead role here. Congratulations, by the way. I don't oh, know if I said congratulations you. on the show yet. Um, we have, we're going to be playing Undertale next, correct? And that's yes. going to be a two-parter. It's going to be a two-parter. Um, I have a guest on board coming on this show, too. So, at the most, we'll have four we'll have four people on this show. Yeah, which hopefully, which I think is going to be really fun. Because I also talked to Nick, and Nick might be into the, doing this game club as well. So, Nick, we're trying to get Nick on the show for this one too so it's gonna be a fun like group for this yeah game for sure and nick is the only one of us who have played it because i haven't played this game i've before. not played this game yet, uh, before either so shall i do the setup for undertale yeah, set up undertale so undertale tony toby ah, sorry toby fox undertale's developer sole developer is a life was a lifelong fan of video games and he got his start in game development with rpg maker 2000 on the windows to develop RPGs and ROM hacks for Earthbound. His Earthbound, the Halloween hack, is probably the most notable, and that's one I've seen, like, because people are like, oh, the, the creative Undertale made this, too. So it's like a big... People go back when it. they find a creator that resonates with them. They always have a tendency to go back. You, It's fun to be like, what did they do also? You know, it's like when you read an author for the first time, you're like, what's the other books this guy did? Exactly. So, like, like me and uh, Supergiant Games played Bastion. Oh, my God, I need to play everything they do. Yeah, it's like, hey, man, this guy's yeah. cool. Let's see what he did. So, in high school, he composed music for the Homestuck, uh, the Homestuck webcomic series. And after developing a battle system in Game Maker Studio that he was satisfied with, he began development on Undertale. And he was inspired by his college drawings, RPGs, bullet hell shooters, absurd internet humor, and Mr. Bean. Were some of the things that kind of all collided into this one thing that he's created. So it's like, and you can kind of tell just from the outside that that's a very true statement. Because if you were following video games around 2015, you heard of Undertale, like you know of the, you know of it, you know bits and pieces about it, even though you even you haven't played it because it was that much of like a touchstone in games that year. It was a. Uh like a cult classic that exceeded past that like exactly. it's like a cult classic that got i wouldn't say mainstream but became very close exactly toby wanted to handle most of the video game himself but he received help from temmy Cheng, who handled concept art and sprite work and he launched a kickstarter in june 2013 asking 
for around $5,000 for the game's development. The game raised a total of $50,000 funding all of the stretch goals. And upon release, Undertale was a hit, creating a huge and diverse fan base, including wrestler Kenny Omega, hey, who dressed as Sans from the game and entered the ring to the song Megalovania, and Toby Fox personally animated his intro. Uh, wrestling talk, Kenny Omega is my favorite professional wrestler. Um, before that, that stuff, he's all, he's been my he's my favorite professional wrestler. Um, huge video game fan, also. Um, also got the guy taking the point on all of AEW's video game endeavors. <laughs> um, current AEW World Heavyweight Champion, current Triple A World uh, Mega Champion, I think is Triple A belt, and also current Impact Champion. So like all the championship belts, Kenny Omega, fucking amazing professional wrestler. Uh, when he came out to the Undertale theme, uh, the under, he dressed as Sam's. I believe that was the Halloween show of Dynamite. That's fun. Watch I, that show I, I found that cool. I found that bit really cool, and just wanted to bring uh, it up. The, and the cool thing about the you'd say that the creator actually did his Titantron. Mm-hmm. The Titantron is in the style of Undertale, but it also tells the entire history of like Kenny Omega's biggest matches. That it that's fun. Is his uh, time in the Golden Levels with uh, Ibushi. It references his Tokyo Dome matches with Okada. It like tells his the highlights of his career up to that point. That's cool. In the Undertale style. It's a very cool fucking Titan Tron. You can find that um It's intrigued. the fact that he did that he personally animated it that too. Confused is... the hell out of the wrestling ward. I bet so. <laughs> it, like no like you either got it or you didn't get it. <laughs> and uh, to have <laughs> arguably one of the biggest professional wrestlers in the ward right now to do something like that and just be like, ah oh, fuck it, I want to do it. Uh because he loves this yeah. video game. So if yeah. Kenny Omega likes it, you can at least approach it from that and be like, Kenny Omega sees something. If here. anybody wants to send this podcast clip to Kenny Omega so I can get like a shout out from Kenny Omega, <laughs> I'd be very, very happy. That might be, you want to thank, you want to be like, send me like a congratulations for my kid being born. Give me a shout out from Kenny Omega. <laughs> Kenny Omega wants if to be he, on this if, podcast. If he's, would, on, if he's on Cameo. Kenny Omega, <laughs> if Kenny Omega wants to be on this podcast, we'll play whatever game Kenny Omega wants to play. Can anyone come be on the Undertale show? I'll kick off Nick. <laughs> now Kitty's on the show, Nick. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll probably be like, that's fair. I get it. Yeah, yeah. That's all this one coming. <laughs> the game is available on PC, Mac, PS4, the Vita, Switch, and Xbox One. And it's on Game Pass, which is where I'll be playing it. That's where I've got it. I'm going to be playing it on there also. Um, I'm excited about this one. I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I, uh, it's about I broke it up into two parts. How long to beat says about seven hours, but being an RPG that's very story focused, I wanted to give us like time to like really soak it in, give us time to like play it and like really experience what this game has to offer. What's our first stopping point? Our first stopping point is I want to get the character's name right, so I'm pulling up a chat that I had. Where's um our stopping point is going to be when we leave Alfie's lab. Alfie's lab. Alfie's lab. When, when you leave, when you leave Alfie's lab. So do all the stuff in there, and then when you leave, save. Uh, if there's cutscenes there, watch the cutscenes, and then stop right there. Yep. Um, it's gonna be cool. It's gonna be fun. I I'm excited to play this game for the first time. We also have several file corrupteds lined up already too, so things are gonna be going pretty smooth. 
for the month of August, even though there's craziness coming. If you have to step out for an episode, I'll probably yeah. send in at least a video, like or not video, but like a you know recording. I'd like love Eric's to just you're rambling, so I can cut away and be like, let's hear Eric's thoughts on Undertale. Here's here's a ten minute long clip. sleepy Eric who hasn't slept in like three days. He'll be like, please Holy... edit this down. I will edit it down. No, no, <laughs> that's very low edit. <laughs> just um, throw the whole thing in there ad nauseum. It's just sleepy Eric with a baby in his arms, being like, let me talk about Undertale. It's a ten hour minutes. clip because I fell asleep. Anyway, yeah, it's just been Undertale. <laughs> leaning against my microphone, going. <laughs> um, no, it's gonna be great. And uh, then obviously when I come back. Uh, fucking Sonic Adventure 2 will be played. Yes. When, once everything calms down, because we'll need to... There might be some shuffling, depending on yeah, things, we, uh, of course. Yeah, we'll, see. we'll play it by ear. But once everything is smooth and stable again, we, we will disrupt the flow of um, time by playing Sonic Adventure 2. We have also the rest of the year actually kind of planned out in games, which is exciting. And then uh, we get some cool stuff coming up with next season. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a fall. Hell of a fall and winter coming up. I think it's going to be a great time for the show. Uh, as always, you can send in your thoughts to stateofthesave at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us at State of the Save on Instagram, t- TikTok, and Twitter. Uh, we got some cool stuff coming up also on YouTube channel and things like that. Uh, cool stuff coming up, man. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you uh, continue to tell your friends, tell everybody you know that likes video games. The more people you tell, the bigger this show grows, the more cool shit we can do. Exactly. Uh, say goodbye, Michael. Bye, Michael. Hey. Yeah. Oh. Oh, 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 oh,